Hello friends, welcome back. It's been a couple weeks since I just sat down and talked to you like a one-on-one -on -one situation. I've been doing interviews for the last few weeks and yeah, I kind of wanted to just sit down this week, give you some fairly extreme life updates. I don't really share a ton on Instagram. It's really weird. I'll share like the depths of my soul about something and then not share, you know, this one part of me like at all. It's kind of just as I go. I figure out what I want to share and what I don't. So the podcast is a good way for me to share all of the things and feel more comfortable doing so. So that is what today is going to be. Just some life updates, some conversation. And yes, so I had a ridiculous morning. I've already been a little anxious, if I'm being perfectly honest, which I'll get to later, really just because of my last Instagram post, which is so dumb, I know. But posting stuff like that, you know, people think naturally that myself and other people do it for attention. And like, I just really don't do it for those reasons. And so like posting that and post it, it's the the selfie. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but I posted this like selfie. I talked about anxiety and I just, that like, I don't get hate comments very often. And I just happened to on that. I got tons and tons of very positive and nice comments as well. But even just like hitting share on that post made me really, really anxious. And then those particular comments really just kind of, I don't know, the last few days I've been fairly on <laughs> edge, but I will go into that in a little bit. Uh, that's part of today's episode. But then today I was like rushing because I wanted to get the podcast done. And the breakfast place that I happened to go was just like really gross. I'm drinking this coffee now because it was $6, but it's the worst oat milk latte I've ever had in my entire life. And then I went to the dog park and there was like four dog fights and I don't ever, I, like, I've been to so many dog parks, and I don't think I've ever seen more than, like, one dog fight, because as soon as it happens, people are paying really close attention, or they leave, or whatever, and it's called Nate's Off-Leash Dog Area or something in San Diego, and there was just, like, dog fight after dog fight after dog fight, and uh, nobody was doing anything. I was literally the babysitter of this entire dog park, and after 20 or so minutes, I could not do it anymore, and I just grab both my dogs and we left. So anyway, I'm really trying to like wind back down and calm down for the sake of this podcast because the anxiety is at like a high eight right now. But no better time to record a podcast then, you know, real time. So grab your coffee, grab your wine, and then I'm going to go into some updates. We're going to talk about breakups and social anxiety and running ads and some random things. Yeah just all of the things. So yeah, grab your drink and I will see you back in just a second. Why, hello, friends. You know I talk a lot about mental health because it has been a top priority of mine since moving into the van. If I've learned anything this far in my journey, it's that talking about it is everything. So if there is something that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Let me repeat that. It is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe, private online environment, which is super convenient. Get help on your own time at your own pace. I recently signed up and I'll be working with a counselor who specializes in anxiety and self-esteem. Yay. So I will definitely keep you updated on that. If you're not totally happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time. This is available worldwide and financial aid is available for those who qualify. 
Best of all, it is very affordable, and my Solo Road listeners can get 10% off your first month with the discount code DIVINE. So why not start today? Go to betterhelp.com divine, fill out the quick questionnaire to assess your needs, and get matched with a counselor that you will love. Make your mental health a priority in the most convenient way possible. Betterhelp.com divine. Okay, bye. That is still the worst coffee that I've ever had. Ugh. They make their own oat milk. And so it's just, just don't do that, you know? Just don't, don't try it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Anyway, so the first thing I'm going to address extremely briefly, because I know most of you don't care at all, I'm going to be running ads on the podcast now. That's actually really exciting. I pay for the podcast every week. I pay an editor to edit it. That is my way around my anxiety with the podcast. If I listened to the episode after I recorded it, nothing would ever get published. I know that about myself. I would critique it. I would re-record it 20 times. So what I do is record an episode send it to her, she sends it back edited, and then I just publish it. So I don't ever even listen to the episodes, which might sound crazy, but it's the only reason I even have a podcast. (laughs) So I pay for that every single week, and it is totally worth it. I talked about her last week, she's amazing. But now, at least with running ads, it will cover that cost. So I'm not paying to have a podcast every week. So anyways, I'm going to be doing that. Love your support. Thank you. I'm very excited. (laughs) I've never been able to monetize this. So I'm very happy that we have finally gotten to that point. Now on to more exciting news. Not exciting. It's actually the opposite. If you follow Lee and I on Instagram, then you probably know that we have broken up. He posted about it on his Instagram because he is really open and he just is like much better at that than I am. He's super extroverted and he's just really, really good at communication and talking about us breaking up, like, I mean, talk about anxiety. It just, I don't think I could really do it. It's already been like a really emotional few weeks for both of us and we've been talking here and there things are okay. We're both like doing much better now because like I said, it's been a few weeks, but it was really, really rough at first. We were essentially each other's like best friend for nine months, which seems crazy to even say nine months because it really does feel like we were dating for like nine years. But there's a lot that we both need to work on in order to be in a healthy long-term relationship, especially the one where you get married or, you know, like that actually lasts forever. And I just don't think that either of us were prepared when we met individually for that relationship. And so, you know, I was doing a lot of work on myself when I met him. He was doing a lot of work on himself when, when we met. And then we kind of like randomly met, which I I know is how it always works, but it just, like, we kind of fell so much in love so quickly that we completely stopped working on ourselves at all. So yeah, we're just taking some time to do that. And I mean, it feels good. It was like a heartbreaking at first, but we both like have talked about the fact that we are working out more and we're eating healthier and we're reading more and we're just kind of getting back to ourselves. And I think that just speaks a lot on the relationship that, you know, in nine months, we were just eating so poorly. We just didn't really care about things anymore. We were so like hard eyes for each other that we just totally lost sight of health and well-being for ourselves, like physically and mentally. So yeah, anyway, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I shared about our relationship on Instagram, specifically on my stories. I know I didn't like 
post about him very much because I try and keep it like travel van life dog oriented, but he posts a lot about our relationship. And so he had to talk about it. And then I don't want to go, you know, a long time and like not even address the fact that we were together and we did break up and it sucks on the road because I don't know when I'm going to see him. Like there's a 0% chance of us running into each other at the grocery store or, you know, when you end a relationship, sometimes you kind of like want to see that person or maybe you go visit. Like, I don't know. There's just different things. And like when you're traveling, I'm already eight hours away from him and there's just no chance of us really seeing each other. And that kind of sucks. So maybe it's for the best. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. We do still talk, like I said, for we've talked every few days since the breakup, just to kind of check in, make sure we're all good. Obviously, for both of us, I think, like, you miss the person when you break up, but you also really miss the, like, children that you shared. Okay, Ella, what are you doing? Speaking of children. And so, you know, I was a mother to his dogs, and I lost 10 dogs and the person who I considered the love of my life. And he lost me and he lost Ella and Pearl as well. So him and Ella were really, really close. And I was extremely close to all of his dogs. But, you know, specifically, like, I I mean, I could cry sitting here thinking about it, but I was so close to Stella and Bo and Molly. And um, yeah, I mean, it just, that sucks to lose your dogs, like to lose you know, like, they were like my kids. So I had absolutely no intention of tearing up or crying. But uh, yeah, that's how breakups go. And it just sucks. So we are healing. We're doing well. Feel free to check in. It's not invasive. It really isn't. It actually makes me happy when someone messages me and is like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's it going? Instead of just like the typical, what do you use for your hair? You know, (laughs) like, it's really sweet to check in and stuff like that. But I promise we're both doing well. Let's move on to maybe something slightly happier. So the reason that I kind of had to bring up the breakup (laughs) is because I want to share Pearl's story. A lot of people have asked me to share Pearl's story and like how she kind of came into the picture. And I will give Ella her day as well. But today we'll kind of just go over Pearl. Pearl's whole thing, but it all started with Lee, and I didn't want to, like, not mention him or just mention him and kind of pretend like we're still dating, so that's kind of why I had no choice but to address the breakup, and it needed to be addressed anyways. So, Pearl, the little love of my life, Ella will always be, like, my soulmate dog. Like, when I'm 80 years old, I will always be thinking about Ella. I'm thinking I'm going to get her uh, face tattooed on my arm, which I'm very excited for. I'm still thinking if I want to get pearls, which sounds so bad. But like I'm saying, Ella is like that dog to me. She will just always be that dog. And I love Pearl dearly. But yeah, anyway, so Pearl I've had for about six months at most. I would say closer probably to five. And so basically, Lee and I wanted to foster another dog. We had just fostered a dog named Lucy. Lucy found a family. She just didn't really, like, that sounds awful, but she didn't really fit in the pack so well. She didn't really enjoy being around all of the other dogs. So we ended up uh, finding her a home. We were fostering her, so we never had any intention of keeping Lucy. And then we decided to foster another dog. So we go to the SPCA 
And they said, we have a perfect dog for you. She's 14. Her name is Cece. She had the same family for 14 years. And it was just so sad. So we go and we visit with only the intentions of fostering Cece. And many of you, I'm sure if you follow Lee, like, you know Cece. She is like a gift from God to him. He loves Cece so much. Anyway, the day that we go pick her up, they said, we also have this other dog. Her name is Pearly, and she has been here for about two months, and we just think she would do really well leaving the shelter. She's extremely nervous. She barks all the time. She's shaking all the time, which is heartbreaking to hear because, like, knowing my Pearl now, she never barks. She's such a quiet chihuahua, and so... Like, chihuahuas are kind of known for being yappy dogs, and she's, like, dead silent always. And so knowing that she was, like, barking and just going crazy, it just was, it was terrible. So they show us Pearly, and they their intention was you can choose CC or Pearly. And so we see both of them, and I was like, Lee, we're not fostering two dogs. I only want to foster one dog. And he was like, okay, well, we already agreed to CC, so let's just, like, take her, whatever. And then as we're leaving the shelter... Lee was like, Sydney, that dog, Pearly needs us too. Like, we can foster both of those dogs. It's okay. We're going to be at home for a while. We have the space. You know, maybe us fostering Pearly will calm her down enough to where she will actually get adopted. Because they were fairly certain that Cece would get adopted quickly because she's an older dog. It's not as much of an investment. And so some people are kind of attracted to that. Pearl, on the other hand, there's so many chihuahuas in shelters that they were kind of like you know, she might be here a while. So as we're leaving the shelter, he kind of says that to me. And I I can't be the girlfriend who's like, no, let's leave that dog in the shelter. And so I was like, okay, fine. I was not happy about it. To be perfectly honest, I just, 12 dogs sounded like ridiculous to me. And now of course I realize like Pearl's four pounds. <laughs> She's hardly like having another dog. And so we go back in, we get Pearly. So we're fostering both of them. And it was like the the night that we brought her home, that immediately, like, we got home during the evening, Sacramento's a few hours away from Tahoe, and Cece was just attached to Lee, and Pearly was attached to me. And so, and when I say attached, I mean, like, more attached than any of the other 10 dogs that we already had. Like, Cece is almost completely blind, and so she just follows Lee all the time around the house. If he leaves the house, even if it's for six hours, she will just stand. Like, I mean, she might lay down for part of the time, but she'll just like stand with her nose to the front door waiting for him to come back. It's the most heartbreaking thing. And so she started doing that right away. Pearl was just attached to me and I changed her name from Pearly to Pearl, really just because she responded so well to Pearly, but I wanted to change it a little bit. They told me that Pearl spent the first seven years of her life in a basement, in a crate in the basement, and they don't think that she was physically abused, but kind of like what I imagine, which I know is ridiculous because I'm kind of coming up with my own story, but I feel like she's the kind of dog where, like, if she was barking or something, you know when people just, like, hit the cage to, like, get them to shut up? I feel like she was that kind of dog. Like, if she was making noise, they were probably just, like, hitting the cage. Maybe not, like, hitting her, but she really reacts to sounds like that and stuff. And so, I mean, they obviously fed her because she lived for seven years with them. And somebody reached out to Lee only a few weeks before we broke up, actually, and said, 
I was friends with the owners of Pearl and I begged them for so long to take her to a shelter because I knew they were not taking care of her. So it makes me happy that at least one person was paying attention to her and that person is likely the reason that the owners eventually dropped her off at the shelter. But I do always believe that like if you're willing to tell the shelter that you essentially like neglected this dog and you just kept her in a basement. Like she went to the bathroom in the basement. She did everything in this basement. If you're willing to tell the shelter that, and they also told the shelter that uh, she was extremely, extremely terrified of men. So the SPCA in Sacramento wanted us to do a day, like a shadow day, and we would spend part of the day in intake. And they were telling us this the day that we were picking up Pearl and Cece. And I just kept telling them, I was like, I don't think I could be in the intake place because if a guy and his girlfriend or wife or whoever came in and was like, we want to give away our dog, please take it, whatever. By the way, it's terrified of men. Wouldn't you immediately look at the guy and be like, why? Why is it so scared of men? Like, you're the only man in its life. Why is it so scared of men? So I don't think I would do so well in the (laughs) intake area because I would immediately start, like, coming for these people. And we never ended up doing the shadow day. I might do it at a different shelter sometime if I'm in the area, but whatever. So... She spends, all like, years in the basement. Finally, this friend talks the owners into giving her to the shelter. She was there for two months. So we fostered her for... I don't know if I'm telling this story in, like, a, any kind of chronological order. But we fostered her and Cece for a few weeks. I can't remember exactly how long it was. But we every day talked about potentially keeping them. But we were going to be leaving soon. We kind of had already posted a lot on social media of us like trying to foster them and it actually does a lot of damage to the foster community when you foster fail publicly on like a big platform because people need to know that fostering is like extremely helpful and like when you foster fail it just kind of gives people this incentive that like when you foster it, it like it's okay to basically say just keep it just keep it just keep it and like we had that all the time like everybody was like you guys should just keep them you should just keep them and that just does a lot of damage to the foster community because people don't want to foster if they're going to get hounded to keep a dog does that make any sense and so we didn't want to foster fail but we did basically the SPCA told us you cannot take we were leaving to go on Lee's tour in I don't know a week, two weeks, and they basically said, we just found out that you cannot take the dogs if you're fostering them out of state. It breaks whatever rules or policies they have. So we had like one week to get both of them adopted. Long story short, we did not get them adopted. Nobody came forward. Nobody was like definite, you know, some people said maybe, whatever. Um, And everything happens for a reason because obviously now like he has CC and I have Pearl, so thank God. But yeah, so... We had all 12 dogs for a while. We went on his tour with all 12 dogs. Pearl has never really been on a leash because she just doesn't need it. Like, she stays by my feet all the time. Ella, I had to train so much to be off leash. You know, she would, she never tried to completely run away or anything, but she just would do whatever she wanted. She would not come to me to save my life. So the way that I trained Ella off leash, which I just never had to do with Pearl, was basically, this was like when Ella was a really young puppy. And so I would have her on a leash and I would go to like BLM, which I will talk about next week when I talk about overnight parking. So it would be like a wide open space where there was no roads or like cars coming and I wouldn't have to worry about traffic or anything like that. And I would, you know, get out of the van. I'd have her on a leash. I would give her like 
three treats. I'd have her sit or shake or whatever she could do at the time and give her a bunch of treats. And I would hold the bag. Like you can see the bag in my hand. And then I would take her, I would like very gently and quietly take her leash off and immediately give her another treat. So she would just stand by me for the treats, like not even really knowing or paying attention to the fact that she was now off leash. And then after she kind of got warmed up, she was in a structured mindset because I'd had her sit and shake and do these things. Then I would start to walk away and I always carried her leash with me uh, just in case I needed it. And then, yeah, just every... I don't know, 10 seconds, I would give her a treat. 10 seconds, give her a treat. 30 seconds, give her a treat. And I would do that for like 15 minutes, four times a day when I was on BLM. So that's kind of how I trained Ella to be off leash. And now, unfortunately, she doesn't get any treats. She just stays by me. But yeah, that's kind of what I did with Ella. Anyway, though, back to Pearl. Never had to do that. She, Ella, why? She, I don't know if you can hear Ella, but she's panting right now. It is not hot in here, my girl. Maybe she actually got a good workout in at that not so great dog park. But yeah, so Pearl, I just never had to really worry about. She's always been like obsessed with me. I don't like, I think it's because she only had Lee and I, and because she was afraid of men, she just kind of clung to me immediately. And I just quickly became like her person. So the first place that I ever took her, just me, Ella and her was like the Alabama Hills. And then she went to the East entrance of Yosemite. I already talked about on the podcast, trying to get into Yosemite that week. It did not work, but we did stay in like this beautiful campsite area right outside of it. And yeah, I mean, she just could not care less. Ella, like if I open the back doors, Ella will just lay on the bed and like watch the sunset with me. It's insane. She's done that since she was a puppy. It's like she knows what she's looking at, I feel like, and Pearl does not care at all. She just wants to be under the blankets on my lap all the time. Someone asked if she gets really bad anxiety if she's not touching me, and I don't think that she doesn't have anxiety all the time when she's not touching me, because we can go to the dog park, and she will kind of run off and sniff things and, like, do this or that, and even when we're walking down the sidewalk, she'll kind of, like, stop in a bush and just be you know, sniffing for a little while until I call her name. So it's not like 24-7 has to be touching me, otherwise she's having terrible anxiety. But if I'm in the van, like right now, she's in my lap. Like she just does not lay anywhere else. She has, (laughs) she just likes to be near me if we are in the van. But outside, she's fine. She does, you know, she does perfectly fine. She's good. And I do give them Lee's CBD still every day. I give Pearl a very little amount and I give Ella a decent amount just to plug his CBD really quick. You can look up the Asher House wellness oil. It really works like a charm. If you want, uh, if your dog has anxiety specifically for seizures, it, it literally saved Lily's life. That's the reason why he started his own company. So that is that whole story. If you have questions about Pearl, feel free to ask. I have like a little Pearl highlight. I have an Ella one as well on my Instagram. So when you go to my profile, there's those little circles and you can click on the one that says Pearl and follow her story because I posted her entire story, everything I basically just said on my Instagram story the other day. So you can kind of watch it through video there. Hi, I'm back. This one goes out to my period-having humans. Lola is a female-founded company offering organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. The FDA does not require brands to disclose what is actually in their products that are literally going inside our bodies. Most companies use rayon, polyester, and harsh chemicals. Lola is 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, or synthetics. Your subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose what type of 
product, a mix of absorbency for lighter or heavier days, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Also, it is 2020, so let's do good with our purchases. For every purchase with Lola, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters all across the United States. I have been trying out Lola, and I love that I can pick up the box at any friends or family's houses, and it's discreet. So I don't have a box that says tampons all over it going to my friends' houses until I can pick it up. So I'm a big fan of Lola. I also just really love knowing what's going on in my body. So for 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter my solo road when you subscribe. Okay, love you. Bye. All right, now switching gears entirely. I, like I said, this episode is kind of random. It's not about one specific thing. Next week, it'll be all about overnight parking. But this week is kind of just a life update. So another thing, really because like the people who listen to my podcast, you guys are my actual friends. Like you're genuine supporters. You're not just kind of like followers who follow me from, you know, a distance, which is also fine. And I don't mind that. But like, I just kind of always feel like you guys really, really, ha I have your support. And so I kind of just wanted to talk about my post, <laughs> my, my recent post of the selfie when I talked about anxiety, because, you know, hate comments, like, don't ruin my day. They really don't. They don't, like, get me down. They don't do anything like that. But, you know, it sucks sharing something so deep. And, like, God bless Lee's soul. He, like, sent me the sweetest message after he saw that post because he knows me and, like, he knows the place in which that caption and photo comes from. And people just kind of assume because I have this quote-unquote platform audience followers, whatever, that everything I do is with intention. Like, it's, which I, everything I do is with intention, but it's with good intention. Like, I share those things not because I want so badly to be, like, this relatable Instagram girl. I don't share it so you, people say, oh, pity her, like, you know, pretty girl, so sad. Like, that's kind of the vibe people were getting from that post. People were like, oh, boo-hoo, it's so sad to be pretty. And if you don't know the post I'm talking about, I basically said that my whole life people have said that I was much nicer than they expected. And you know, everybody commented really nice things, but a lot of people commented that it was because of my appearance. And first of all, I appreciate that. That's also a compliment. But what I compare it to is you going up and saying, you know, wow, you're a lot smarter than I would have expected. Like, you wouldn't say something like that. And so, like, you just don't know someone's insecurity. And to say that, like, you're so much nicer than than I would have anticipated you to be. Like, hearing that thousands of times throughout my entire life really built up this idea in my head, and I already have social anxiety, and this really just contributed to that, because I would constantly be like, what is it about my face that is not making me look nice? Like, why Why do I not? Like, I value being kind so much that, I, like, I it just made me so paranoid, and I think that's the reason why you know, my whole life, like, I just don't say no to people. I will go without a meal if, like, my friend, you know, I'm, like, literally about to cook dinner and my friend needs a favor or wants me to take a photo or do something or whatever. Like, I'll just be like, okay, I don't need to eat tonight. Like, I'm that kind of person. I will sit on the phone with you for four hours if, even if I have a deadline that I'm missing for it. Like, it's not about sacrifice. It's an unhealthy sacrifice. That's what I'm saying. Because I so badly want to be viewed as like a nice person. And I kind of posted about this and how 
that has contributed to my social anxiety. And, you know, I, I mentioned the fact that taking selfies has been really hard for the last couple of years. And it's something I can do now because I've practiced it a lot. And talking on the camera, <laughs> Ella's resituating, talking on the camera has gotten so much more comfortable. And I don't think like my newer followers know that I never talked on the camera until probably September of this past year of 2019. I, I couldn't do it. I would try. And it just like, this sounds so extreme, but it like disgusted me. Like I would record a me talking video and before my voice would even start playing back, I would immediately hit the X and be like, nope, can't do it today. And so it, this is like a really recent in the last four or five months of my life being able to actually face the camera. And so a few of the comments on this photo, which I also know I in no way need to explain myself. This is simply because, like I said, you guys genuinely support me here. And I just want to like explain why th these two things are so different for me. Just in case you're curious or if you're the same way, that's what I was saying earlier. I don't do this with bad intention. I, I say all of these things because I never had anyone to talk to about this. I found out from a YouTube video that I have social anxiety, which I later went to therapy and like confirmed, but I didn't even know that it existed because no one talked about it for me. And so the more that I have talked about it, the more people have come forward and been like, hey, I'm in therapy now because of you, or I'm working on my anxiety because of you, or I realized I have social anxiety because of you and I can finally take steps to move forward. Because when you don't think, like I grew up with my family, I'm going into so many different directions. <laughs> um, but growing up, I heard my family and my friends a lot of times say, I don't know why. And like, they've really come around, by the way. This was kind of when all of these beliefs were just starting. Um, and I didn't understand either, but why transgender and non-binary and all of these things had to have a word. Like, all of a sudden, you know, in the non-binary community, like the whole LGBTQ community, like there, all these terms started to be discovered, I guess, or like known. And I just heard a lot in my life, like, why is, why do they have to have a word? Like, why can't they just call themselves this or consider themselves that? And now that I know that I have social anxiety, I know how important it is to have language behind your feelings. Like, if you don't have language behind your feelings, you cannot communicate those feelings. You cannot communicate to your therapist, to your friends, to your family, exactly how you feel. And so in my own head until about six months ago, maybe a year ago at this point, I just thought that like I was crazy, that I was very weird, that I was just socially awkward. I didn't know why I would get terrible anxiety during conversation. I didn't even know it was anxiety. I just, like I said, I just thought it was weird. Like I just thought there was something kind of broken in me, kind of wrong with me. And I don't say that in like a boo-hoo kind of way. I say that like, like legit, like that's just what I thought. And then I was watching a YouTube video. This guy says social anxiety. He defines it. He goes into detail. And I was like, oh my God, it's a thing. It's a title. There's language to how I feel now. And therefore I have something I can Google. And when you Google it, you can find, you can, first of all, find it like, you can find someone to relate to. Like, not only do I have this thing, but tons of other people have it too are you kidding me? And then you can also start to work on fixing it and helping it because you would now have words to formulate how you are feeling. Like that is so important. And I now know how important it is for 
everyone to have the language behind how they are feeling because that is the only reason or that's the only way to find others who feel that way as well and start to fix the actual problem, right? So anyway, there's all of that. That was kind of a separate tangent. But in the post, I don't know if it was in the actual caption or if it was on one of these comments, this person was saying how it makes no sense that I can't take a selfie, but that I can take pictures on a tripod. That's what I want to talk about. So when I take photos on a tripod, it is several feet away from me. I cannot see the screen, so I can't really see, like, I frame it, but then I can't really see what I'm doing or what's in frame. And then usually I'll take 50 photos. Usually then they're out of focus, so then I have to take 50 more, you know, it's great. But after I take those photos, I close my camera, I put it away, I don't think about it for several hours, and then at night when I'm like, you know, the van doesn't look the same, I don't look the same, the dogs don't look the same, like, we've lived an entire day since I took those photos, I can sit down, I'll open up my laptop, and I will start to go through them and figure out which one I want to post. And then, you know, I can upload it into Lightroom, make some, like, random changes if I, if anything needs to be changed in terms of editing. And I can disconnect myself from the photo. When I'm doing that still to this day, it feels like I'm editing somebody else's photo. I don't feel like the girl. And that's what I was also saying in my Instagram story. Like, the way that you look has nothing to do with how you feel. When I'm editing those photos, I'm so disconnected from the picture that it legitimately feels like I'm editing some girl's photo who lives in a van. I know that that sounds wild. (laughs) Like, saying it out loud for the first time, I realized that it probably doesn't make sense. But that's how I feel. And it's also how I'm able to edit my photos. Like, if I was more connected to them, I think I'd be more anxious doing it. I would be more picky. I would be more of a perfectionist than I already am. And so being able to kind of disconnect from them, I edit them, I make them look how I I like it. And then it takes me like another two days (laughs) in order for me to upload them. But that's the difference of me working on a tripod and feeling disconnected versus a selfie where in the moment, in this very moment, you're staring at yourself, holding your phone. Like, there's no escape from that. There's no disconnect. You are looking at you, and you have no choice but to be looking at you. And I know that that probably sounds ridiculous, but it doesn't feel the same to me. And I don't know if it feels the same to other people. I don't know. But that's, you know, I like I said earlier, I've gotten a lot better at talking to the camera because I'm just more comfortable doing it. It took a long time and a lot of practice. But, you know, for so many people to be commenting on that photo, it was one comment and then it kind of led to like a string of comments. And I understand why someone who has, fortunately for them, never dealt with this and never felt this way, why it would be confusing. But I didn't want to have to explain myself on my Instagram because I know I don't have to explain myself. I'm only doing it here so that you guys know where I'm coming from. And like I said, I've gotten messages from people who have been like, thank you so much. You put how I'm feeling into words, you know, and like even extremely long detailed emails. I get an email probably three or four times a week about that one podcast episode where I talk about social anxiety. Like I know that that resonated with people and therefore I I know it's important to keep talking about and like talk about the random issues that I face with it because even if one person hears this and is like, oh my god, I'm not a complete psychopath, like, then I've done my job and I I feel like it was worth it, you know? And this isn't, like, my podcast will never be all about anxiety. I know I'm probably talking about it way too much. But yeah, that's, you know, those, those string of comments, people just didn't understand the difference of those two things. And 
I love that. I love that they've never dealt with this. Like, it makes me so happy that they don't understand it because that means their brains are wired correctly. <laughs> like, that makes me happy. But the point of all of this and the point of my post and the point of even talking about any of this is for the people who relate to find me relatable in like a good way and to know that they are not alone. You are not alone. And for the people who do not relate to open your minds a little bit that not everyone sees the world the way that you see it. I don't see the world the way that you do and you don't see the world the way I do. So please do not assume that when I'm saying something that it doesn't make sense or that because I have followers that it must be contrived or I'm saying it for attention or I'm saying it for pity or I'm saying it for any other reason than to speak to my experiences in this life, like how I perceive the world. I am talking about those things in a really vulnerable way. I'm struggling to talk about it. It's already really scary to talk about. I'm not posting those photos like with pride and excitement. Like I have to call a friend to talk me into hitting share. And then when I hit share, I almost deleted that photo 20 times. Like within the first five minutes of it being posted, I was like, no, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. So when you see anybody else, like I'm not even saying it for my own sake, when you see other people posting something like that, whether you resonate or relate or not, it's not as easy as you think. Like, don't categorize someone as like an influencer or this kind of person or that kind of person. Like, you don't know how difficult it was for them to open up about something. So if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. I also said this on my Instagram story recently, but if you don't have something nice to say, please just refrain from saying anything. But if you do have something nice to say, please tell that person. Like I said, it's probably not easy for them to have opened up the way they did. Even if you don't like the person, just say something nice. Add to the love. Make them feel supported in this world. Like, we need more of that. Comment on, you know, challenge yourself to write 10 comments in a day. If you spend an hour on Instagram, which maybe I'm the only one that's spending that amount of time on Instagram, but <laughs> like, challenge yourself to just write hearts on 10 photos or something so that people feel supported and loved. And adding to that in this world, I just think is cool and very important. But yeah, I kind of just wanted to go over that post because... I also think some people saw those hate comments and they were like really genuinely concerned. I had like five friends reach out and they were like, Sydney, I hope you're doing okay. And I was like, you guys, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna let these people ruin my day. But at the same time, the world needs to know why that's not okay. You know, like you can't just assume because I have quote unquote a platform, whatever that even means in 2020. Like you can't assume that I'm no longer a human being and that I'm no longer you know, just not terrified to even post. Why do you think I only post once a week? You know, it's not because I'm trying to never share anything with you. It's because I'm literally terrified every time I post. And before even thinking maybe she shouldn't be doing social media, because trust me, I think that all the time, I'm proud to be doing social media because I'm proud to be a, conquering my own shit and B, showing people that they can conquer their own shit. So like, people have told me before, if Instagram brings you this much anxiety, you shouldn't do it. But like, it's the reason why I'm working through all my stuff. And it also is, I hope, important to other people to show them like, I deal with this all the time. I struggle with this and I'm still getting past this shit. Like I'm doing it. And that's my message. You know, that's the message of the day. I guess. No, um, I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about anxiety. I mean, we're 
I'm coming up on 40 minutes now, and I've talked about Pearl and anxiety. <laughs> uh, that's classic Sydney, dogs and mental health. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover today. I knew that the couple things I wanted to talk about were going to end up me rambling on for a while. So I think I've taken up enough of your time for today. I think I'm going to start doing a book recommendation at the end of every podcast because that will also push me to be reading a book every week, which is a challenge I recently made for myself. So right now I'm reading The Power of When, and I don't have it in front of me, of course, so I can't tell you the author. But if you look up The Power of When, you will find it. It's extremely interesting it basically goes over, and there's like tons of studies to back it up. I love books that like go in detail of what studies they were a part of or that they've read about to contribute to the book itself, whatever. But it basically categorizes people into a few different categories. <laughs> Did that even make sense? Puts people into different categories. And if you are this type of person, then you will excel by waking up around this time, eating breakfast and this type of breakfast at this time, working out at this specific time, going to bed at this specific time, and all of these different things. Like basically saying, if you're this type of person, this is the exact schedule and what you need to do. Like, when is the best time for you to make a friend? When is the best time for you to enter into a relationship? Like, it's actually super interesting. I've never really heard of anything like it. It's all about chronobiology, but it's an easy read. It's like the I, every time I say chronobiology, I'm like, don't worry, I'm I'm not that smart. Like I've I've never heard of it either. But it's a fairly easy read and it's super interesting. So that's my recommendation for the week. And I've also been thinking about potentially doing like a second podcast per week, but making it only like five to ten minutes long. Tell me like DM me or message me or email me if you think this is a good idea or if you think it's unnecessary. But I know that there's a lot of people who honestly just don't want to listen to me talk for an hour and that's totally fine. It makes me very happy that you do, but I know some people don't. And I kind of was thinking about still doing, you know, the typical podcast once a week, but adding in like a 10 minute little Q and not Q&A, but like a frequently asked question. So instead of having an entire hour on where I do my laundry or how I go to the bathroom or where I shower, all things that I have addressed in length during a podcast, but doing it in like a short, concise way. So somebody with that question, I can kind of just divert them to that episode and be like, hey, it's only eight minutes long. I answer that question there. What do you guys think about that? I would love to know. I don't mind either way, by the way. <laughs> um, it's more work for me. So if you say no, totally fine, but I'm also down to do it. So that is all. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being here for me. I know you've probably heard other people say that kind of stuff, but it has changed my life. That's another reason I like doing social media. Like, it's changed my life to know that you care about me and support me. Like, the way that I care about you and support you. I email with people constantly. If you have DM'd me something, like, long and meaningful, and I didn't respond, I'm really, I'm sorry. I cannot get to all of my DMs. If you want to have a conversation and, like, be, be legit friends, please email me and, like, we will get that started. I do, I do not mind. I want to be here for you the way that you're here for me. I really mean that. It's a lot more organized and easier for me if you email me versus DMing me. And I think that that's pretty much everything. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. Read The Power of When. Comment on some people's pictures, some nice things. And kiss your babies because that is what I'm about to do. They look too cute. Have a great week, guys. Love you so much. Bye.